Welcome back to Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer. I'm your other co-host, Simon Voyanos. And I'm Liam Hughes. And uh, today we, we got some fun topics for you. We're going to talk about Last Chance U Episode 7 on the tail end of this episode. But to start us off, we're talking Last Chance U alum Rajon Wright. That's the cornerback for the Laney Eagles. We thought it was only appropriate as we near the end of this show to talk about a Laney player. And Rajon was the highest profiled player coming out of Laney and one of the higher profile players during the season of Laney College. Spoiler alert, even though we haven't got to episode eight, Rajon is now at Oregon State. And we'll talk a little bit about Rajon's situation later in this episode when we discuss episode seven. But we're doing Rajon Wright film breakdown from Laney College. So I'm going to kick us off here and just talk some strengths that I saw from Rajon. Now, you guys know me. I usually try and do three strengths and three weaknesses, like the three biggest ones that pop out to me during film. And the first one that immediately jumped out to me was Rajon's hands. They're really strong, and he's really smart about his placement of them. If you watch Rajon's film, sometimes he stops the play to a receiver before it even starts because he, he doesn't grab them. He just pushes the receiver out of bounds within five yards, and, and they're taken out of the play. So to just eliminate sometimes a whole half of the field because there's only a single receiver set is huge from a defensive player. And he's just so strong. Like he's able to rip the ball out too and punch it out if they're about to make a catch. And he like, he obviously didn't belong in Juco from what I could see just because he was so much stronger than any receiver he went up against. Press coverage was usually a joke with whatever receiver he was on. And yeah, as soon as he got his hands on you, you were basically done. Like there was no receiver that was strong enough to stave off his push. And that was working inside or outside. So super strong hands was the first thing that I noticed and was super impressed by and think could translate to higher levels. Second thing that I noticed from Rajon was his his ability to play in the run game. It's really different, I think, especially in this newer era of football that's super spread offense, super chuck the ball. To see a cornerback come up and play so strong against the run but Rajon did exactly that. You know, he does a great job of, you know, whether he's playing his zone to be able to play his zone and stay disciplined and come up and play on the run, or he's good at sticking to his man and reading the quarterback and reading the play and then coming up to make a tackle. Rajon has, I think, linebacker instincts as far as when it comes to reading the run at a cornerback position. Like, when you hear sideline to sideline player, you usually think like a middle linebacker, maybe like a Sam linebacker that pursues hard to the backside. Rajon is a sideline to sideline player at the cornerback position, which is insane. There were multiple times on his film where he would make a tackle on the other side of the field during a run play, you know, and, and obviously not being caught lacking on like a double reverse or like a trick pass play because his football IQ is really high. And so... That's what allows him to be so good in the run game. And I love that aspect for him, especially if he's aspiring to play in the NFL, where, you know, even if he doesn't necessarily get there on pass coverage alone, having that ability to play in the run is is crucial, you know, and I think he could play a bunch of positions because of his instincts and because of his IQ and his ability to play in the run game. The 
last strength that I have is Rajon plays all the coverages. He plays all of them the way that they're drawn up. You know, he's a great, great man-to-man cornerback. You know, I there's only a few times where his man beats him, but it's it's not often at all. Um, usually he, like I said, in the strong hands department, he can push them out of the play or, you know, there's multiple go routes that teams try and throw on them. And after seeing so many of them get broken up or almost intercepted or intercepted, you start to wonder why are they throwing that pass? Because he's just so good at keeping his hand on their hip. He, he plays the ball really well, but he also does a good job of watching the receiver, no matter what route they're doing. And then being able to turn at the right second and make a play on the ball. He also is disciplined in his soft zone coverages. So like whenever he has to cover the flats, he does a great job of staying disciplined and making sure that whoever he's passing his route off to, that someone is there. So he makes sure that like the safety gets over to his guy before he focuses more on his soft zone. And he he can cover a lot of ground in his zone play, which is super encouraging to see. And yeah, overall, Rajon Wright, might be uh this might be a little bold but he's definitely one of the best players that we've done a film breakdown on and one of the most dominant i've seen at a single position and i'm excited to see what he does at oregon state simon do you want to take it away on some of the strengths that you've seen yeah sure uh i i don't think that's that radical of a statement to say that he's one of the best uh that we've broken down film for i'd say akeem boyd's film and then shoot let me think i'd say rakeem boyd's film and then malik henry's film are right up there with rajon i would probably put rajon over malik because um well malik has his issues off the field uh but rajon you know we all know he's a good guy we've literally talked about this dude for like the last couple weeks obviously he started that season a little slow or this season uh with laney a little slow um but man did he really ramp it up quickly and show off his talent he looked straight up Oh, this is a big strength. I think I brought this up with uh, Carlos Thompson. I'm pretty sure, actually. But he's he's a playmaker. Like he knows, like when in the game, like hey, I gotta, I gotta force myself, like onto these players right now and make a play. Like I gotta make something happen, you know. Because uh, there are some players, honestly, that might be a little bit more passive. But Rajon, if he can, he will force the issue. If you throw it his way, he's gonna pick it off, or he's gonna do his best to pick it off. You know, and like you said, he has really strong hands. So that playmaker ability, that mentality, even that's that's big time. I know um, it really showed. Shoot, I'm forgetting which game it was, but I think y'all know what I'm talking about. It was in last chance. You it was that goal line interception on that slant that he knew was coming. And pro- to be honest, probably everyone knew it was coming. But just where he was positioned and how and what he had to do to get himself positioned correctly and then go make the play and then actually making the play, that was phenomenal. Um, it was that diving interception on that slant, if y'all don't remember. But that one really stood out to me. So there's that. I'm not going to have three strengths. I think I only do two because you mostly said everything I had to say. But, you know, another thing with Rajon is that I think he's a really good athlete. In fact, you know, obviously Nation will never say this because they're brothers. But I think Rajon is a, I won't say a much better athlete than his brother, but he is better than his brother. I think he has better top end speed and he's just a little bit more explosive in my opinion, you know. 
And I, I mean, you know, you could work out as much as you can, but like when it comes to the raw Juco film and like in the nation uh, breakdown, we were breaking down his Juco film. But in comparison, I definitely believe that Rajon just has a little bit more uh, explosiveness to him, you know, a little bit more speed, a little bit more athleticism, all that great stuff. Also, I think I, I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure Rajon is taller than his brother, too. Or maybe they're the same height. I Nation think he was is taller, but I can double check that. Yeah, go ahead and check that. But Rajon's a legitimate 6'3 corner, though. <laughs> and and he can move. And so the size, the playmaking ability, the athleticism, like as a defensive guy, you know, if I was a DC or whatever, that's the type of player I need because Rajon, in my opinion, uh, with all of those things put together, plus the lack of issues off the field, all those things put together, I, he's someone that could erase a lot of mistakes, you know? So if you want to blitz an extra person or, you know, put Rajon in an island, you can do that. And he will make a play for you either way. It doesn't matter. He'll make a play for you either way. And at the corner spot, that's honestly one of the harder defensive spots to make a play, in my opinion. And so... With all that being said, those are the strengths, uh, in my opinion, of Rajon Wright. Uh, did you check his height yet, Cody? Yeah. So believe it or not, Nation Wright is six foot four. What? Yeah. Really? Rajon is is an inch shorter than him, but I think that's a testament to like the fact that we were thinking about it is a huge testament once again to what you were saying, his athleticism and you know just his playmaking ability. He plays. Like he's six four or six five, you'd say. Yeah, but either I mean six three is already, I won't say freakishly tall for a corner, but it's pretty up there though. So, um, yeah. But, all right. Well, that's interesting. They share the same genetics too, so who knows? Maybe <laughs> Rajon will be six four by the time he enters the NFL, which I think he can do. Anyways, Liam, did you have something to add on to Rajon Wright's uh, positives when it comes to his JUCO film? Yeah, like we said, I think he's maybe the most dominant at a single position that we've seen so far in in this series. He's a sick player, man. He makes plays, he shows up, he shells out. One strength that I have, which is maybe under-processed a little bit, consistency. I think he's maybe the most consistent player that we've seen so far, as far mm. as like how... You know, his motor is high. He just goes for the ball every single time. He plays every down like it's not like it's the last, but he plays every down like it's fourth down, you know, and he's he's just trying to make plays. Another another strength that I would say is he's clever. And that's that's what you have to be as a cornerback. You have to be clever. You have to outthink your opponent. You have to outwit them. And like some some of these routes where maybe he gets beat when the when the receiver cuts to the inside but then he cuts to the inside and he 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 puts a burst on it on it and he he catches the ball as it's being thrown to the slant even though he was on the outside of the of the receiver you know right he'll like come behind them and where they're not looking now that he's in their blind spot he can take advantage of those things and he can he can work it out and beat somebody and that's pretty awesome to see honestly yeah and third thing he plays the ball every single time he plays the ball. He doesn't play the he doesn't play the receiver. I mean he does, but once the ball's in the air going towards his man, he plays the ball. So I don't think you're gonna see a lot of pass interference from him or a lot of uh, like bad holding penalties from him. 
I think he he plays the ball smart enough in an in an intelligent enough way that maybe if even if there is a little bit of pass interference there, I don't think a ref is going to throw that flag. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. Um, those are actually good points. He does have a really good football IQ, um, which is very important when looking for any defensive player or any player in general. But you know, there's there's definitely something special there as well. He sees angles a little bit differently than everyone else, which is just saying something. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Cody, do you mind if I go? I only have one weakness. Do you mind if I go with my one weakness first? Go for it. All right. He's a pretty well-rounded player. Um, he goes up against solid competition. I mean, we said it all. Great athleticism. More than prototypical size for a D1 player. Even an NFL player, to be honest. Maybe a little bit skinny, but that's not that big of a deal, to be honest. Plays well against the run. Good IQ. All that stuff. I think, in my opinion, the only thing that I really, really need to see out of him is way more consistency when it comes to tackling and tackling form. There are multiple times, not in Last Chance U, but in the film as well, where, you know, he obviously he's very aggressive and he knows where the ball is going to be. And so he'll try to track down a run play. But golly, his tackling form could be so terrible sometimes. Like, <laughs> it's just like he throws down his shoulder and I respect it. He's trying to be physical. But like, there's definitely, this comes to mind. There was a play in Last Chance U where he was on the goal line and he has the right angle on the quarterback who's running the ball. And he just whiffs as bad as I've ever seen. And that's, you know, like like I said, when it comes to good, or like we've been saying, when it comes to really good players who are nitpicking, but that wasn't the last time that happened. And it happened multiple more times, even when he was playing really well too. And so I respect, you know, I respect the physicality and all that against the run, but he has to be way more consistent and more disciplined when it comes to his tackling form and tackling. I know he's there to, you know, make the tackle and to have the right angles, but you have to actually make the tackle to be good against the run consistently. So that's something I would really like to see out of Rajon because, uh, especially because he is a smaller, like weight-wise, he's a little bit smaller. I think he was listed at 180, but, you know, I, I don't know how much, how much of that weight held up over quarantine and, if that was even real legitimate to start the season. Cause I know uh, coach beam at the very start of the season was talking about how, you know, his, his nickname for them was, um, was it pole and beam? No, that wasn't it. Stick and pole, stick and pole. That that's what it was for Rajon and his brother. And both of them are like taller, skinnier guys. And so they both could probably, you know, use some weight to pack on in, especially with someone like Rajon, who's, a little bit smaller i don't think that kind of physicality and that form of tackling is going to hold up uh on the d1 level so you got to get better at that you got to clean it up a little bit there but other than that that's really my only weakness for rajon liam what were some weaknesses that you saw yeah i think that's fair simon and i can i can uh, double that up i think he he there were some tackles that he made especially against running backs in the flat where a smarter running back would probably just hurdle over in him over him and turn it into a highlight reel you know what i mean and i do think that is gonna be a problem going forward but he can easily fix that up he's got the physicality for it i think his skinniness might be an issue especially like around his legs he's got super skinny legs i'm not trying to say that he skips legs day leg day or anything but if somebody rolls on top of one of his legs he's probably gonna get an injury um yeah there's some so, concern there 
Right. So if he can build up some a little bit more muscle cushion in his legs, then that'll be for the best. Uh, but the main the main weakness that I want to talk about might not really be a weakness. It's more of a mental thing. I think he's he's pretty cocky, which is a good thing in most cases. But I could see it where it could get to a point where it's like that Aqib Talib syndrome where he just lets a guy burn him just because he thinks he's better than him and he thinks that it won't happen. You know what I mean? And then he's like, oh, crap, I just got burnt. And then, you know, plays the rest of the game fine, but maybe lets a play go every now and then just because he thinks he's better and uh, can maybe get himself into a situation where he's allowing points because he (laughs) uh, just got too cocky. Mm-hmm. But those All are my right. weaknesses, Cody. What you got? Yeah, I'm. I'm glad that you brought up his, uh, you know, his. I, I want to say attitude because I think that his attitude falls into a category of strength and weakness. Because mm-hmm. you know, when as a cornerback, you like kind of have to be like, you know, the most confident player on the field. Like, and that's part of like the mind games, you know, and the wit that you're kind of talking about with the receivers. But I think you summed it up perfectly by calling it Aqib Talib syndrome, you know, because it's like, you know, especially at the beginning of the season, we saw this, you know, actually on last chance. He's like, I'm D1, I'm D1. And then he gets torched by some guy who's probably not even going to play D2 football. Like, you know, like, um, yeah, yeah, Yeah. he's susceptible to that. And I I was going to one of my weaknesses that kind of ties into that. So if I'm calling one of his weaknesses his attitude and this is like the handcuff that comes with it is he can be caught lazy. Uh, being lazy sometimes you know i think we saw that especially in the early part of the season of last chance you and uh you know whether that was pass plays where he just didn't follow his guy all the way or you know run plays where if he if he wasn't whiffing on the tackle maybe he just didn't push the gas hard enough to make like that's the unfortunate thing when you're as athletic as rajon and you don't make a play we know because it's because like you're not trying that hard so like <clears throat> that's one thing that I noticed. And then just talking uh, about what Simon said, you know, he needs to work on just like breaking down, I think, and like actually squaring up with somebody when, when he's going to tackle them. But I wanted to also compound on what Liam was saying with his skinny legs is I was going to say injuries. You know, we saw it in last chance you, and we'll talk about it later once again on this episode, but you know, it's his ankle that ends up getting messed up and his there there's not a whole lot you can do sometimes about like your caps specifically like genetically speaking but he's got to do something to strengthen his ankles strengthen his legs strengthen his knees for sure and just get something what whatever little he can gain there he's got to gain it if he wants to be durable so durability and then you know ego slash laziness are probably like the two biggest weaknesses that i had for rajon Wright, but I'm not too worried about it. Um, I don't have too much else to add on unless you guys kind of, I was kind of thinking we could also talk about some places that he did have offers and kind of talk about his decision a little bit with as much as we know, or do we want to save that for the end? We should probably save that for the last episode because they do talk about it more in depth then. Um, And like you said, he did end up committing to Oregon State. It's not a bad fit. He's with his brother. He's still playing the Pac-12 where they throw it plenty. So if he does make plays in the Pac-12, they would be legitimate 
you know, plays against good receivers and high-powered offense or as high-powered as it could get. So uh, he's in a good spot. Is it the best spot he could have been in? In my opinion, no. Uh, but we'll talk about that at the end, though. Um, I'll just I, Sorry, go on. I was just going to let the audience know, at, at least as far as schools that offered him, was Oregon State, CU, Fresno, Hawaii, University of Houston, Liberty, San Diego State, UCF, UCLA, and Utah State. Those were yeah, the offers that he got. So you could argue yeah. that Oregon State is probably the best one to take out of those. You can make the argument. So yeah, I mean, you can make the argument for sure. Be, let, okay, here let's let's hold that for later because, in my opinion, there are some colleges on there like UCLA, shoot, I, UCF especially because I know they're on the come up. That uh, I feel like may have been a could have been a better fit if it wasn't for COVID or whatever it was. To be honest, because there's a lot to keep in mind here as well. But yeah, I really don't have much to add on. Or actually, wait, real quick, sorry. Uh, onto the attitude thing, I definitely get what you're saying. I like I like what you said, Liam, about the whole Akib Talib syndrome. I was actually thinking a little bit more Baker Mayfield <laughs> than anything because <laughs> I know his attitude. A lot of people liked his attitude coming out of college, and like, I mean, I I did. I didn't blame him for all the little shenanigans he got himself in like you know like him grabbing himself or like getting that flag and sticking it onto that ohio state field or whatever that was and you know just it was hype and all the talking and stuff that he's done and that's cool you know you need that edge in any football player but i mean they're eventually and for some kids or for some athletes they hit it later than sooner but eventually you gotta check that you know, because it'll come back and bite you because then you just you end up painting a really big target on yourself and I don't know, putting a lot of unnecessary pressure. And so I think he's just a little I mean, obviously, he's only like 19 or 20. Right. I think he actually might still be a teenager. So he's really young still. So he has a lot of room to mature, but it's not off our radar. So the point there Other than that, I think that's it. Um, ideas as far as how far Rajon Wright can go. Oh, uh, okay. I think shoot, I don't want to get caught like buying into the hype too much because like we're watching this season and so we're able to see everything and whatnot. I, I'm just going to put it out there. I think a uh, barring injury, of course, I think he's an NFL guy for sure. Um, He's an NFL guy for sure. That's his that's his floor in my opinion barring injury right and at his ceiling i feel like he could be a late first round type of guy because he has a just keep in mind he has oh shoot how many years of eligibility he has i think he has two years of eligibility yeah he has to have two years because nation has another year left at least two years of eligibility um so a lot could happen there you know obviously like i said he's playing in the pac 12 so uh, i mean he could either make a ton of plays or he could get burnt a billion times there's really no in between when it comes to pac 12 defensive uh dbs nowadays so there's that but i really do think he could be a late first round type of guy one day what about y'all i'm gonna say that you know if he follows kind of the And I also want to clarify this from our last episode. A lot of these projections that we make 
are based on their Juco film. Yeah. But obviously with these guys transferring to bigger programs, you'd hope that they develop and mature. So uh, Simon and I talked a little bit about Nashon and Simon was saying, you know, I think after watching some of his Oregon State film, he could be more of a fifth or sixth round guy and actually play in the league. And so I want to clarify that first and then talk about Rajon. You know, I think Rajon, as he is, you know, um, I think he he has some growing and maturing to do. You know, he you could tell he kind of has that younger sibling kind of mentality. Shout out to the other to the other two hosts who are younger siblings. But, you know, th- there's some maturing that he has to do and that one season at Laney where it was just him and Nashon wasn't there, I think helped him out quite a bit. But I think that that's going to be stunted a little bit just based off of his brother being at Oregon State and that feeling of security and, um, you know, familiarity is going to stunt that just a little bit. So I think he definitely still has a lot of maturing to do. So I think that could cause him to be, you know, a round two or three guy, depending on how mature he is coming out. That's kind of where I see right now. And I, I hope he stays for two years, even if he has a really good first year at Oregon State is kind of what I'd like to see for him to reach his maximum potential. I definitely think he could play in the NFL, but right now I'd say like a two to four kind of guy until I see more just like mentally, I guess. Maturity or sorry, mentally as in maturity wise, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Not, fo- not football, not football. Yeah. Okay. Cause football wise, I think he's pretty, he's oh. as set as they come. Yeah, he's a he's a big brain corner. <laughs> yeah, big but, brain okay. time. Okay, fair enough. Um, so if he was to leave after this season, just keep in mind the Pac-12 is not even going to start playing until November or maybe late October. Even by the time this episode comes out, I don't think they'd even start playing yet. So like, he would basically only have like uh, he'd have less than ten games that he'd play in. Assuming that he starts from day one, which is, I mean, you know, you never know. So, just throwing that out there. What about you, Liam? His, um, his peak? I could definitely see him being a starting outside cornerback in the league. Um, okay. On any team, almost. It's just what team needs him the most um, is going to obviously depend on when he gets to the league and i think that is a when i don't think that's an if maybe i'm jumping the gun here but i do think that's a when he gets to the league um okay so i think definitely in my opinion definitely going to the league he's shown it he's shown the greatness and i think he's going to continue especially going to be with his brother he'll be he'll be comfortable in college for that uh and he'll he'll have a support group around him which will i think enable him to be better yeah. obviously we'll have to see so i think that's that's his ceiling in my opinion is a starting a starting outside cornerback in the league where he goes with that is all up to him um but if he i don't know i think that's i think that's both the uh that's both the ceiling and the floor at the same time for some some reason I don't have a better way to describe it, but that's that's a sense that I get. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> knowing knowing a uh, football luck and uh, the football gods, ironically, he'd probably end up with the Patriots. But let's hope that doesn't happen. 
just like how we hope Trevor Lawrence doesn't go to the Patriots still. So, <laughs> Simon, yeah. you just spoke that into existence. So if it happens, bro, you're going to catch some hands. Yeah. Whoa, <laughs> that's on, hold that's up, on your head. No, that's hold up, you. Cody. Weren't you the one who gave the Patriots a Super Bowl that one time? Bro, no. Because <laughs> you want to tell the viewers about that? How about okay. that? Let me defend, let the defendant speak for himself. For okay. For so here's the situation. I'm at Estes Park with Simon and one other buddy, and I'm holding a rock that's like the size of my two hands. Like it's it's a huge rock. And I'm like, do you think I could skip this? And they're like, they're like, no, but try it anyway. And as soon as my elbow flicks, which is like the most important part of the skip for the rock, this is now a rock skipping show, and I'm gonna give you pointers. As soon as my elbow snaps, Simon goes, if this rock skips, the Patriots win the Super Bowl. It was too late for me to change anything at that point, and the rock, the rock skipped. Like it was a huge rock, and it skipped. It's it's not on me. It's not on me. That's not. This on was him. the day of the Super Bowl, by the way. I think it was uh, Patriots and and Rams. So. Yeah, it was Patriots Rams. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was not close me, one. dude. That was a close game too. So it could have went either way. But you know, all right, just you know, all right, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you never. That know. one's all on. That one's all on you, Simon. Yeah, how's that? I mean, on these are because you said it, <laughs> but you yeah, were the you one who one physically. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, but I didn't physically make it into existence. If that makes sense, shout out you to my boy Rex uh, Burkhead winning his first ring off of oh that my Super Bowl. God. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Rexy Rexy. <laughs> I think, I think okay, that's fine. Wait, wait. One, one more thing, one more thing, one more All thing. Right, so, just right now, right now. Do y'all think Rajon is a day one starter for Oregon State? Just make, just go on your best guess, like n without looking anything up. Do y'all think he's a day one starter? How Oregon can he State? not be? Yes. Yes. Okay. How Out of his brother or no? Over his brother? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Ahead of his brother? No. Because there's seniority there. Okay. Maybe not uh, week one. But I think he could eventually oh, take it ooh, hot this take. season. Yeah, hot take. Okay. All right, we'll keep that in mind. I agree with both of y'all, actually. Not with but, all of y'all. But no, um, not week one. No. Yeah, he okay. could be a starter, but not over his brother. That's. I, I don't think. <laughs> okay. If if they don't start him, I just don't understand. I don't think they've brought in any. I I think I've tried looking at their. Uh, draft class but i don't think they've really brought in any corners that i'm like oh wow this guy is way more polished than rajon right right now coming out of high school so but that's also um you know that's also a plus of uh going to juco you're inherently a little bit more polished than the high school kiddos and then with that being said unless y'all have something to add on uh y'all ready to talk about last chance you episode seven yes sir Let's do it all right, coming up next. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner. Uh, we're going to be talking about Last Chance University. Uh, episode 7 here in this segment. And we got a bit of a different thing from this episode. We got a bit of a different uh, point of view 
about the city of Oakland this episode. I guess it's it's the same point of view, but we get we went further in depth than we've ever gone before. Uh, talked a lot about gentrification. Talked a lot about the way that Oakland is deciding to move forward, and at the expense of its current and former inhabitants and moving forward without them uh so let's talk about that simon do you have any opinions on that about gentrification of oakland yeah let's let's, let's dive into it it's bad yeah no it is and um so my older brother shout out to gene he's been on this podcast he's been on this podcast before he's been watching last chance you partly because we've been covering it as well so like he actually wants to know what we're talking about but he finished it and so we talked about the gentrification of oakland and how that was really interesting and how there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of moving parts there i look here first off let me let me talk from a business standpoint because he's a business guy for sure like he's all about you know that hard cash about hustling all that stuff so i get it um but you know when it comes to making good business moves and stuff like that you always got to keep in mind that there's almost always going to be a group that's going to get the short end of the stick more severely than others sometimes, you know? And so I see this, this was really interesting because they talked about the gentrification of Oakland a lot to start like the episode. Right. And then there was a pretty sudden shift. I feel when they shifted to the, uh, sorry, give me a second. I'm pretty sure it's the wide receivers coach right hold up is he My the 26 bad, year old the uh the guy with pretty long hair yeah yeah Dang, i can't think of his name? name i literally just had it right um, here huh isn't it adam something yeah well i guess it's not here um he he was an offensive coach he might be a running back coach oh well but <clears throat> anyways um he was talking about you know how he's been flipping places and whatnot buy them for cheap put in a couple upgrades sell them and so they i think they followed him oh he was the taking a look coach. at a little property cornerbacks coach yeah. yeah okay well i knew it was a skill position coach okay um but yeah and so and that's how like he makes his living just you know because as a juco coach unless you're the head coach you really don't make enough money to um you know to to live off of that one job as a career right historically actually speaking when it comes to last chance you coaches outside of the head coach pretty much all of them except for head coach offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator are guys that are usually unpaid um they i mean they might have board and room but other than that they're pretty much unpaid you know some of them have homes some don't a lot of them are usually working another job plus this one and that's just because you know when it comes to coaching in general unless you really start you know getting into the higher ranks of coaching i would say uh high school wise it would probably be more towards like the southern states or the states that are a little bit more obsessed with football think like texas georgia or even you could throw in california there as well you know unless you're coaching for one of those as a head coach or even as a oc or um player shoot sorry position coach um you're really not making a ton of money as a coach in general so i understand the grind and it is like especially in oakland because i mean like he said like he needed to do this to maintain his lifestyle 
it's it could be a little stressful because obviously it's a lot of money to to be able to just live there is it fair to all the occupants there or i guess the ogs that have been living there no definitely not because they are getting pushed out um there's no doubt about it they're getting pushed out they're getting ah, what's the word other than pushed out like their homes are basically getting bought out from underneath their feet is how i see it getting upended they're getting gentrified yeah they're getting gentrified and the crazy part is that these people the majority of these people are like the heart and soul of oakland right they represent mm -hmm. what oakland has been what they were and what they will be moving forward you know a tough city uh well i don't know about moving forward but they want to be that like a tough city right a bunch of grinders people who are creative a place where people could go and succeed in a degree in some sort of degree right and so those are the type of people like the ogs that have been living there that are getting pushed out just because they you know they can't afford to live there like i think one of the houses there i don't know if i think this was coach beam's wife talking about it but i think they bought a house for either 100 or 200k back in the day but now it's like valued at around 800k which is insane because i mean i guess they bought their house back in the 80s or maybe 90s but still though that's a that's a good jump though you know and so i don't know yeah. i think that I mean, these, whole, are, these are not on. these are not large houses no they're not they're definitely not <laughs> and I, I know a thing or two about living in a spot where the uh rent or the you know the houses and prices are a little bit overpriced but we won't talk about that just yet or ever oh i don't know but anyways <laughs> i think all of those things combined really embodied or i guess to a degree it has been embodying the culture of this laney college football team and program you know um you got a ton of people who are grinding people who aren't usually on the privileged side of things and they feel like you know they're they're getting pushed out and unless they make a play or they do something big then they will get pushed out of their homes and um they will essentially be homeless or in be in a worse situation and so either they gotta make the decision like i either gotta make a huge career move to be in a better spot financially or i could move before i'm forced to so i could find a better spot elsewhere um so yeah, I think there's a lot of moving parts to this, but Cody, what do you think about this? Yeah, so it's it's frustrating to watch, you know, because it's just another reminder, just like every day is another reminder of the economic climate and how bad it is to be poor. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. we've we've seen so many areas gentrified over the years that we're almost numb to it unless we're exposed to it. Like even right, like recently, you know, Hawaii is like gentrified super hard. Um, where, where a lot of the people who were born in Hawaii, you know, natives to the Island can't live there. They can't afford to live there. And we're seeing that in Oakland in last chance you, and it's just so frustrating because it, it's, it's just unfair. Um, and then, like, you know, they're not even trying to hide that it's gentrification either. Like, the destruction of the homeless, like, centers, the little um, homeless cities, if you would. Um, they, like, it's, it's, they're not trying to hide it, you know? They're attacking poor people. 
that is their agenda. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and these jobs that are coming here, you know, like the tech centers that are opening up that are coming here, you know, because they buy low and then it increases the property around them. They're bringing workers too. they're not hiring like locally, you know, they they already have their employee list before the building is built. And then that access is not given to to the residents of the town. And and the minimum wage is just too low for them to keep up with these skyrocketing prices. Four thousand dollars, five thousand dollars for an apartment. Are you freaking kidding me? I'm like, that's a, not. that's a joke, bro. Like, that's without living in the dorms. That's straight up tuition for a semester. And I can't even afford that a semester, bro. Like, and and, you know, we've seen some of the parents of some of the players and them talking about the jobs that they have. Like, they can't live in Oakland unless they've already been there like your house has to be paid off is is basically the game and it's just it's set up for um poor people especially minority communities to fail and it's just really frustrating to see so mm, yep yeah. for sure yeah, 100% and um it's difficult it's difficult especially for minorities who were maybe you know, you could call them native to the region. Their families had been there for generations um, going back. And it's extremely difficult for them to survive in these situations. And not just survive, but to thrive. You know, so many people are just barely scraping by and, and having to work so many jobs that they're not able to improve themselves um, in the meantime. You know, it's it's subsistence living and it's not, it's not enough. And... You know, we see it with like Dior, Walker Scott, who's got a car that's breaking down, essentially. And he just literally cannot afford to lose that car. If he loses that car, his entire opportunity goes away because he probably can't make it down to Laney because his family doesn't have the money. You know, they might not even have enough money to buy like a, a $200 junker car just to get him to and from school every day because it's like a two-hour commute, I think, or like a four-hour round-trip commute. So it's difficult, man. I I wrote down a quote yeah. from the uh, realtor that really, it, like, obviously it applies to this area in Oakland, but it applies to everyday life, and it's really frustrating to hear, but it was powerful. And the quote was, quote, those who have make the rules, end quote. Right. And, like, that's just... That's just the truth. Those those who are in power, those who are wealthy, they make the rules and we're just playing their game. So just yep. another reminder that the United States hates poor people, but we been new, so <laughs> go on. You're right. I'm so pissed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But uh let's I don't know, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the the lead up to the game. Yeah. With uh what was it? It was Santa Clara? Santa Clara State? Santa Rosa. Yeah. Santa Rosa. Or, oh, I guess it was Santa Rosa. Yeah. Okay. There's a there's a bunch of Santas out in uh Cali, so you're forgiven. Santa Clara is where um uh psych takes place. So Ah, that's right, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Do, do y'all want to talk about the little recruiting uh meetings they had real quick before oh, we yeah. get to that? They're pretty quick, not gonna lie. They were pretty quick, you know. Um but it is pretty usual for these meetings to be shown in the second to last episode of each last chance you season. So yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. All right. Um, 
well do you want to start it off like first reactions or <laughs> he said i don't know because he, he i've said, seen a million of these so <laughs> he said let's talk about it and then he said do you want to talk about it <laughs> no yeah here yeah. you yeah, you I'll should go start it, it off because i've seen a million of these i know how it usually goes uh each player has like a different uh, I, I would say each player always has a very unique attitude when it comes to these recruitment um, mm -hmm. meetings. So, yeah, Cody and I were talking about this uh, in while we were watching the episode. I mean, I think we both agreed that the only person who maybe had the right attitude towards this, because um, every recruiter who was shown was a was a Division Two recruiter, and yes. um, the only person who had the right mindset from our point of view was Nuu, who said that if a division two school offers him a full ride scholarship which is what they were offering him versus a division one school which just wants him there but isn't going to offer him full ride he would probably take the division two school offer yes um which we agreed was probably the best the best uh mentality to have about the situation just because, well, at the very least for news situation, he has a family that he has to support. And that's maybe not pressure that they can survive under if he can't get a full ride scholarship to a Division One school. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But it was interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, and I actually wanted to talk about this a little bit too, just, you know, especially with our audience, you know, don't let your ego get in the way of like don't let it disrupt your path or your dream right like and and i know people too who you know they had some division two offers coming out of high school and they're like nah i'm better than that and then years later they're like oh my gosh the last time i played football was in high school because i didn't just go play division two right so like yeah. you know obviously obviously you you would rather go d1 you would rather go d1 that is very apparent but you know, there's opportunities in D2 as well, you know, um, there's ladders that you can still climb. It doesn't completely cut you off. So, you know, and I think that that's something that we might even do a little series on later in the show, you know, as you like division two success stories. And we could talk about, you know, not only athletes too, but people who get into the realm of coaching or people who get to pursue their degrees through division two and athletics. Like, exactly. don't be so narrow minded and don't let your ego get in the way. Like, and then, you know, like Dior's going to say he's a division one player and then later drop a touchdown. Like that really bothered me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, just take, take what's given to you and don't say division one or bust. That is such a bad mentality to have. And it's not going to pay pay off in the long term of life either. Like in right. general, like don't be a this or nothing kind of person. Like you really do have to take what you can get in this world. And it's not much and it's not often. So um, beggars can't be choosers is, is kind of the point I'm making. And we're all beggars. All right. Like just have that mentality. Obviously field all of your all of your options. But to my young athletes out there, my high school athletes, if the only offers you have coming out of high school for whatever sport you're playing is Division Two, take that chance. Like, take whatever they'll give you, you know, and at least mm -hmm. experience it. It's better to maybe have that opportunity. And as, as long as the school is a good fit, too, for whatever you are considering, like, don't be ungrateful for 
the roads you're being presented with because in the long run you're gonna you're gonna regret it yeah i'd actually like to take that a step further and say that even if you do have that mentality of division one or bust or nfl or bust it doesn't have to be a straight path you can go division two for a year or two transfer to a division one school and then maybe still make the nfl you know like it doesn't have to just be i don't i don't actually know if this is 100 percent, but it doesn't have to be just a straight line and if if your ego is getting ahead of you and you just have to make it a straight line or you're not even going to do it at all then that's yourself being your own worst enemy no i mean i 100 percent agreed i had oh man I've had a good four or five players that I used to coach up back. Well, I won't even say coach up. We just worked out together and I gave them a lot of pointers back in the day. And I think they graduated high school. Let's say, so they're a year younger than me. So it, it was maybe three or four years ago. Actually, it was three years ago. And I remember they were asking me, this is just a quick story, but they were asking me about like, hey man, like, you know, we, we played football in Texas. Like, we've played against some of the best competition. You know, some of the competition that we played against are doing their thing in, in uh, what is it, uh, at D1 whatnot. And we really do feel like we're D1 players. And I am and I told them, all right, cool. And then they would always say, like, well, but we just don't have those kind of offers. Like, we've put up the stats. We've done, honestly, we've done everything we could have. We've put up, we've done our best, you know, but we just don't have the offers. And... I was like, well, what do you mean you don't have the offers? And they're like, well, we don't have any power five offers. And so that's another thing too, because there maybe Rajon might Loki, he might be the only one thinking this way, but that's because he is a power five player or type of player. But um, in this season, it's not shown as much, but in past seasons, for sure, there's always a conversation where it's like, ah, well, you know, I, you know, like I, I know I'm a D1 player, but I'm not an FCS type of player. Like I'm definitely a power five offer or a power five player. And for those of you who don't know power five and, you know, I guess this has been more debated in recent years for some reason, but power five is ACC, big 12, big 10, uh, pack 12 and SEC. That's the, you know, that's the power five. I guess you could throw in the Mac or whatever, if you really want to, I know they've been making some noise lately, but right now those that's the that's what power five means and so i think it's also good to keep in mind that you know um well like just like y'all have been saying like just keep that same attitude like stay humble uh be grateful for what you have and really look for the right situation not just football wise but life wise future wise moving forward um new has the right you know he has the right idea and i'm glad he has the right idea because he's the only dude right here that actually has like a family of his own like his own kids and a wife and all of that and so i'm actually happy that he like he has enough self-awareness to be like all right like yeah i'm gonna go somewhere where they'll not only take care of me but they'll take care of my family too because like i was saying i know some of those same guys who had a daughter or had a son on the way and they were really stubborn when it came to, you know, when it came to those D2s that were offering full rides, saying they'll take care of him and his family while he's, col- while he's in college. And they really wanted to go D1. Um, <laughs> thank God they didn't do that because the, most of those guys that I have talked to and advised on it, they all went D2 and they're having a lot of fun with it. They're getting a good education. It's all paid for. So first off, no debt. You know, they get 
a free place to live at their family at least you know their kin their kids and whoever else is with them are taken care of for the most part and it's a good situation and honestly for a lot of just not forget players just for a lot of young adults coming up that's a hard situation to find yourself in where you're debt free you're living in a place for free you got food and you're you know you're in a good spot you're getting a good education a free education a free higher level education which oh, okay i won't go there just yet <laughs> but, but but you know what i'm saying there and that's a privilege you know and you gotta you gotta count your privileges for sure because you never know when whenever you have access to that kind of privilege again and so um yeah i definitely agree with y'all i think you had the right idea i i kind of see what dior is saying you know like he doesn't want to settle and you don't want to settle because that's how some teams will get you i know this is a pattern that i've seen kind of a bit but when it comes to juco players some d1s will hold out um just to see you know they'll hold out just to see or some d2s might hold out or i don't know a, a team will hold out to the point where Oh, some teams may not be talking to a player as much because maybe they blew them off. And then they swoop in and be like, oh, see, he blew off those 5D1s or those 5D2s. Now me, the D3 or whatever other lower level D2 score is going to come in and I'm a swoop. So, you know, obviously you want to look at all your offers and you want to be patient, but you don't want to be too patient to that point as well. So, yeah, but it is a it's a complicated process. I know uh Mar martin he, he talked about this a little bit in the past it's a business you know when it comes to college so um check out that episode if you haven't yet yeah, i think he's probably talked about it more with more experience than obviously any of us three have so oh yeah um oh side note it's kind of crazy to me to think that rj is still okay i, I don't want to hate on his dreams but dang bro like you, he literally basically told a D2 coach, like, ah, I don't really want to play for y'all. That's basically what yeah, he said. Yeah, that and that's tough. That's yeah, that rubs a lot of, first off, that rubs a lot of scouts and coaches the wrong way because it right away sends the message, like, ah, I'm better than you. That's what it is. You, know, you have better to be a you. team guy to, yeah. get, to end up on a division. Like, if you're not a team guy, they're not going to take you that's yeah, really and that goes for all levels to be honest and you know coaches and scouts they talk of obviously you know there are some coaches and scouts that want to get a leg on the other person but you know you do have those good friends in those circles that are like hey how about that rj guy then they'll be like ah no nah, he basically told us he's too good for us so that's that's probably the worst Okay, I won't say that's the worst way I've seen any of these Last Chance U players going about it. It's definitely the second most. Ronald Ollie had the worst way, and y'all will see why. But, <laughs> yeah, it's there's a lot there. But, yeah. That's all, all I got to say. I have a list here of uh, Division Two players who are in the NFL. And this it. list is insane. Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, Brandon Williams, Deontay Harris, John Brown, Austin Eckler... Western Colorado yes. represent alum, sir. Malcolm Butler, mm -hmm. Delaney Walker, Greg Zerline, Tyrell Williams. If you're special and you're good at football, you're going to play in the NFL. Yeah, you'll find a way. So, yeah, West like Western Colorado. That's that's a school that flies kind of under the radar, even in this state. You know, but if you're good, like Austin Eckler, then you'll go to the league. 
That's just the truth. Did I have to ask, did Austin did Austin Eckler get drafted? No. Out of college? Uh, let me look. Go for it. Even if you do go to a D1, there's no guarantee that you'll get, you know, drafted or an invitation to the NFL. Look at Philip Lindsay. He was yep. great at Colorado. And I feel like most people who have seen him play at Colorado knew this. I knew it, you know. Oh, he but, was the best player on CU's team every year, basically. Also, Austin Eckler was undrafted. Yes. Oh, he okay. Well, I was about to say. Well, even so, look, even if you are undrafted, if you're a baller, you're going to make moves and you'll make it happen. You'll find a way. So it's just when shout out to all the young athletes, just, you know, have an open mind when getting recruited and think more than football. I would say, think about your future. Like think about like what kind of people and professors and just where you want to be advisors, where you want to be when you're not on the football field. I think that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. it's a great way of putting it. Yeah. All right, sorry. I just wanted to make sure we uh, covered that. Oh, you're fine. All right. Um, sorry. Was there anything else before the game? No. I mean, Tyreek Hill was a fifth round pick. I'm pretty sure. So, but uh, oh. I think I think that can bring us to the game. Honestly, uh, Liam, you were you were heading that direction, so I'll let you uh, lead the charge on that. On the game, yeah. yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, I ain't got a clue. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> okay, so this no, game was okay. big. Okay, yeah, right, yeah. Go for it. Uh, yeah. So, the, I mean, the game was every game from here on out is the last game oh, of the like... season for them, essentially, yeah. uh, for Laney College. So. If they win, they're in. If they lose that game, they're completely out. And by win, by in, I mean they're into the next week. They can survive till next week. So each game day is it's do or die. And um, I think we saw that in in the mentality finally of the offense for the first time this entire season. Yeah, um, Ryan didn't play like trash the first half. No, I looked over at Cody <laughs> and I said that I was like, "Mackie's balling, dude. He's he's making passes. In, like even if they're being dropped, he's making them. You know, he's and, putting them where they can be caught at the very least." Yeah. Can't verify. Liam really did say that, and then somebody really did drop a pass that was really good on the next play. <laughs> yeah. It was Dior, though, wasn't it? Or, yeah, right. Uh, Probably. Usually, Dior. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This was, this, this, this was the tight end screen that was fumbled right after Liam. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. Oh, by uh, Aquan. <laughs> I got you. That was such a bad fumble, dude. Yeah, well, uh, that's that's a, it's a tight end screen. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel Dior's drops were a, li- a lot more unforgivable, especially at this time of the season, than anything else. So, uh, yeah, that was tough. But yeah, Ryan played his best game. I look, I've said this. He's been making the right decisions. Um, he's been making the right decisions, like passing wise. I would say when it comes to like jumping on fumbles and 
knowing when to protect himself not really but other than that he's been making the right decisions he's just been missing passes which is a big deal so it was good to see him uh, get it going you know and keep it going wasn't a one half wonder type of thing yeah exactly and uh also the running game looked strong this this game i think there were uh were there a couple 60 plus yard runs from the offense from delaney college offense seemed like they're it at, felt like it yeah no there were at least two or three yeah. this game was kind of a roller coaster it was kind of a roller coaster not gonna lie for sure like it was a wasn't it a shootout i mean it ended up being a shootout so yeah so there was a lot to go around defense was i, I don't know that defense without rajon was bad just yeah. call it like <laughs> it is bro no, yeah, they were bad. It looked like the defense and offense switched places um, talent-wise for a second yeah. there. I, I will say uh, that the defense stepped up when it mattered most, which was good to see, especially with them not having Rajon without having that lead. For them to, you know, make a play when it mattered, right? Like Rajon, that's usually his job, right? Is he's the guy who has to make the play. But this play time, yeah. there was, somebody else stepped up. You know, so a couple people actually step up, stepped up. Um, one guy had a chance to step up and he dropped a super easy pick six. Um, but what can you do? Um, but yeah, I, I was just going to talk real quick. Um, Mackie came to play. Liam talked about it. And who was like the only person who I saw came to play, at least at the beginning of the game. You know, RJ, he's missing blocks. Dior is dropping touchdowns on fourth downs. Like, Oh my gosh, like, oh, and Dior's also not knowing where the first down marker is. Like, bro, how are you going to run a 14-yard comeback instead of a 15-yard comeback? Like, D1 players have field awareness, and you just did not show it on that on that play. Yeah, that's a, that's a minimal, too. Like, that's kind of just expected, you know? Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That was pretty tough. There were a lot of oh, the receivers just didn't play good. Honestly, they just didn't play good. First half, I would say. The second half, though, you know, we got cooking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, RJ had his best game of the season. I'm pretty sure it's or so it seemed that way because you know he wasn't running go routes. Um, he was running over the middle, and Liam and I were talking about it when watching. It's like God, he really is fast. Like, he has good football speed, you know? Like, when the ball's in his hands and he's in the right spot to make the play, he's super quick. So, you know, it's just, at the same time, it's kind of, it makes it almost more frustrating that his, like, um, technique isn't on the same level as his athleticism. Otherwise, I think he could be really um, He could be what? Really good. um <laughs> that's a pretty big jump though yeah <laughs> yeah it there's a pretty big gap there and then the other thing that i wanted to talk about is dude timmy how are you going to play your first game like i swear like all season or maybe like the first game in like five games and then throw a punch bro like what yeah oh my so yeah once again looking directly at the camera aka speaking directly into the ears of our viewers who are amateur or high school athletes 
You do not accomplish literally anything by throwing a punch in competition unless your competition is fighting. Like, actually, yeah. you only hurt your team. This came on, I'm pretty sure it was like a third and short play where I think the defense actually came close to making a stop. And then this guy's on the ground, says something that Timmy doesn't like, you know, that's obviously the assumption. And Timmy just switch. First off, bro, you're punching a helmet. Like, don't yeah. you all know that that doesn't work? That's what yeah. the helmet's. But the helmet's supposed to protect things bigger than your hand. It's your hand's not going to do anything. And he just he really wasted his opportunity to finally get back in the lineup. And honestly, if I was that DC, I wouldn't play Timmy for the rest of the season because yep. he clearly doesn't want to play. All right, I. I, I don't want to slander any more players because I feel like there were times, at least in my opinion, I have low-key crossed that line. But how good of a player do you think Timmy really is on the defensive line? Like, you know, let's just put, let's be honest, let's just put uh, um, attitude issues aside. How good of a player do you think he actually is? Your opinion. Opinions. He's enough to be a starter. Okay. I think that's maybe all that needs to be said, in my opinion. Um, I mean, I don't see him making any plays on defense. Yeah. I know he's supposed to, mm -hmm. but he's not. Yeah, theoretically. Okay, theoretically, he's good enough to be a starter. Uh, yes. Theoretically, he is a starter. Is he living up to that? No. Cody, what do you think? If he plays next week's game, he must be pretty damn good to keep on the roster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he I saw him at some point. He was putting together a highlight reel on Huddle, but I ain't never seen him make a highlight. So <laughs> um, I guess yeah. maybe we'll do a breakdown on Timmy and see if, He's, yeah, well, he's worth <laughs> anything. Okay. Yeah. We could, we could always do that. We could we could always look at the film and be like, uh, yeah. or, it could be like or we could look at the film and be like, oh, that's why he's been given second, third, fourth, and fifth chances on last chance. Like, right. So, yeah. Um, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Because I'm just going to be honest. Like, I've like I said, this is my second time watching it through, so there are some things I notice a little bit more that I wouldn't have the first time around because um, I mean, no one's gonna notice a defensive lineman like that unless they're making huge plays. Like, and there have been, I'm not gonna lie, like I think defensive linemen have actually been the most represented, ironically, in all of Last Chance U. Like, they almost always follow at least one or two defensive linemen every year, except for mm -hmm. this year, and then except for one in Indy. So I guess, for the most part, they still do. Um, I know at Indy, they, I think they followed maybe two or three at one point. So, in the same season. And so, I know what, like, and plus I played the position. So I know what a defensive line playmaker looks like. And Timmy's the worst one out of all of them by far. He has no plays that like just pop. And I'm just like, oh man, like he's really good. And maybe it's just, you know, selective editing. That could definitely be it. Um, Cause this is a stacked defense, but dang bro. It's uh, I don't know. Watching it a second time through, it just always seems like he's getting blown off the ball. 
So I I don't know. At plus, uh, why did why do you hit a dude that what that was on the ground while he was standing up though? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, so, I kind of I kind of want to talk about that if you don't mind. Bet. Oh, uh, which part? About the the punch, throwing a punch. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I just think it's it's the most futile thing that you can possibly do. It's it's like it's it's struggling against somebody and it's like lashing out it's against somebody with anger, obviously, or frustration or whatever it may be. Um, but it, it serves no point, right? You're just gonna get thrown off the field if anything the opposition is just gonna laugh at you for it right yes best case scenario that you throw a punch the other person throws a punch and both teams lose a player for the game that's best case scenario both teams lose a player for the game otherwise you've just cost your team a player a playmaker somebody who in you know in clutch situations might be necessary to have and you're you're not hurting yourself you're hurting your brothers and it's really selfish and it's you know i don't want to go too hard on him for it but it's it's probably the most selfish thing that you can do on a field Ooh, that's interesting um okay all great all right. points <clears throat> they are great points i think yeah, I am not going to spoil the first season of Last Chance U. We'll move on. If you're an OG Last Chance U fan, you know what I'm talking about. But there is more of about this topic that we could talk more in depth when we get there. So, okay. yeah. Cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, they didn't lose the game. <laughs> so <laughs> that's good, right? They Clearly, they, they didn't miss Timmy too much. No, definitely not. They won by uh, but they, three. It was a one-score game, right? Yeah, they won by a touchdown. They won by six points. Um, oh yeah, because okay. they, they didn't go, they didn't elect to go for two. They were up by five, kicked the extra point, and went up by one or went up by six. Interesting. Um, but my question is like, they let so many big runs go through their defensive line as well. Yeah, maybe if their offensive offense hadn't been clicking. Timmy could have been the, you know, he could have been the difference maker on some of those plays. So we'll ne we'll never know, thankfully, because they won. But it sucks to put your team into a position where maybe that could have been bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's a hypothetical, so like, right. You know. <clears throat> so what does it actually matter? Because it is a hypothetical. But yeah, for now it's okay. But also. I think this is worth keeping in mind too because i almost forgot this is one of timmy's last chances um let's just be real it's one of his last chances uh right now with this team i think this is like the second or third infraction that he's had since we've uh, started watching this season yeah even in this half of the season so like yeah i don't know man at, at this point it's not even really like like, okay, maybe he hasn't been playing the best, whatever. Maybe he hasn't been making some difference-making plays. But, like, at the end of the day, you got to wonder how much more patience John Beam has for this kiddo. Because it can't be a lot. True. So, it's not going to, in my opinion, I don't think it will be a talent thing that'll 
uh, stop him from playing these next couple games, he's probably at high risk of uh, getting cut at this point because at this point, what does it matter if you cut a lineman or two? Especially if you're not making the playoffs or if your chances of making the playoffs aren't, you know, huge. Yeah, very true. So, Cody, right. you got any, uh, got any last words or opinions on it? No, not really. Um, okay. Uh, from a general perspective, good thing that they won that game. Uh, they, the offense really showed up and the defense really closed it. Um, go for two if you're only up by six is probably... Or if you're only going to be up by six, if you could extra point attempt to go for two would probably be my strategy. But um, yeah, Still beat. Um, <laughs> on to next week. On yeah. and, and, and the final episode of Last Chance U. Um, there's obviously a lot of takeaways and I... I hope that, you know, our our listeners are listening in this far. And if you're not a young athlete or not an amateur athlete, that you're spreading this wisdom, this knowledge to to young athletes who do need to hear it. Because, you know, I'd say there's there's even some athletes on my team that I coach that, you know, as far as like recruiting goes, you know, they're like Texas A&M or bust. I'm like, OK, like <laughs> chill out a little bit, you know, so um, Texas A&M. <laughs> really? it's a long story but you know <laughs> um just just like obviously know your worth but also at the end of the day don't let life pass you by um yeah. because you're gonna regret it more if you didn't play at all than if you do play somewhere um and then there's also some guys on my team that could learn a thing or two about keeping your cool so um spread this wisdom and uh, yeah, that's kind of all I have for this episode and honestly this week. All right. Well, with that being said, I, uh, th- this was episode nine of the Playmakers Corner. Thank wait, right? Of the Playmakers Corner. Thank you for rocking with us. Catch us on that social media. Show us some love. Um, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, Instagram. That's pretty much it at the Playmaker Court, Playmakers Corner. It's no apostrophe. Is that right? Playmaker Corner on or Twitter. Corner, sorry. On Twitter, it's Playmaker Corner. And on Instagram, it's Playmakers Corner. And then on Facebook, it's spelled the way that the podcast is spelled Playmakers Space Corner. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> You're going to be weird right. about it. Yeah. Well, that you can follow us there show us some love obviously if you are listening to us you found us on a major streaming platform so while you're here you might as well go ahead and give us a really good rating on spotify apple podcast uh google podcast whatever anchor and yeah we'll catch y'all or oh sorry before we move on if you have any film of young high school athletes feel free to send it to us. We'll um, be more than happy to break it down, interview them so they could at least defend themselves a little bit if they need to. And um, yeah, all that great stuff. So yeah, just let us know. I am what I've been one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. I am one of your co-hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I was one of your co-hosts am one of your co Oh God. that was, that sounded, that started to sound weird. <laughs> I'm Liam Hughes. Thank you for listening. 
I'll always be one of your. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one.